This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. Today, you are listening with me to part two of a two-part series where we're talking about integrity in messaging about the vaccines. Last time, I talked about the announcement in the United States from President Biden. I talked about the context in the United States about the virus and the pandemic in general, and also a whole list of things that may be concerning people in the workforce. And again, even if you are not from the United States, this is relevant because you still have to give messages to your workforce and you want to be thinking ahead just in case some of the issues affecting the United States may even come to your country at a later date. Now, most of all, I want to remind everyone, if you have not listened to part one, please go back and listen to part one. It has very important context for what I'm going to cover today. And today, this is where we get down to the brass tacks and I give you the actionable steps you can take in messaging to your organization about the virus, the vaccines, and the mandates. So I want to share with you five variables to think about and messaging to your company about the vaccine mandate and to do it with a sense of integrity. So number one, it is not helpful to demonize any segment of your workforce about this matter. We're dealing with a serious health crisis in the United States, and we don't want to have a two-tiered society of the vaccinated and the unvaccinated, and you don't want to pit one against the other. There may be multiple rates of transmission. The vaccinated could be harming the unvaccinated. The unvaccinated could be harming the vaccinated. Whatever, we're all in this together. And you don't want to have a society where the unvaccinated are demonized, considered the enemies of the workplace, and essentially in the workplace are being forced to wear what I call the scarlet letter. If you remember the story of the scarlet letter and Hester Prynne, who was an adulterer, she had to wear a scarlet A, and everywhere she went, everybody would see the scarlet letter and know that she had committed adultery and and think about what it would be like to live that way. We're subjecting our workforce and the citizens of the country to a similar kind of an environment right now. So first of all, don't demonize any segment of your workforce. So number one, one of the biggest things that you can do is to call your company to its higher values and to the higher vision of itself, whatever those deeply held values are. For example, if you have a company that says, we really care about people, we care about our employees, we care about our customers, we care about the families of our employees. If you have a caring about people, then everything you're doing is also under the rubric of that. The decisions that you're making is designed to protect the workforce and to protect the loved ones of the workforce and also clients and customers. 
You may have a value for excellence and quality in your work. If we want to continue to have excellence and quality in our work, we need to think about how we're going to have enough people in the workforce to do the work that we have to do. And particularly if you are a company that has a number of federal government or military contracts and your personnel who go to those sites to do that work are required to be vaccinated and maybe a percentage of your workforce is unvaccinated, it may be difficult to provide the level of quality or excellence in work that's necessary without thinking of some alternative ways of operating. And so you have to think about how will we continue our excellence at this time? Because we do have that value. And I'm suggesting there are probably ways you can do it. And I'll get to that in a minute. So use the values of your company to appeal to what are deeply held for the organization. The third one I'll mention, there are plenty, but I'm, I'm only going to mention three here. One is just respect for all people. And if you're a company that believes in respect for all, part of respect is also the ability for people to make choices in their lives about what they think is best for them, to have the ability to decide and to understand what the consequences may also be. I believe that President Biden may have missed an opportunity in this case. When he made his announcement, it was just before Patriots Day in the United States, which is 9-11. And this is the day when we remember those people who were fallen in the Twin Towers in New York City and those who were on the fated flight that crashed over Pennsylvania and Washington, D.C., the Pentagon, and all of these lives lost because of the attacks on the United States during 9-11. One of the things that we fundamentally know about the American people is this. When we are faced with a crisis, we do come together people engaged in amazing acts of heroism to protect their fellow citizens. This was an opportunity for the president to remind the country that we are still those people. We are still those people who care not only for our individual selves, we care for our neighbors and those around us. This is not the time for pointing the fingers and demonizing and judging people and castigating the American people. Rather, this is who we are. We are proud of this heritage and legacy. And what does that look like today? How can we step into that and live into that given today's crisis? So that was a missed opportunity. You and your company don't have to miss that opportunity. Lead with the company values. That's number one. Number two, provide real facts and real information. You want to provide real facts and real information about the virus itself, about the vaccines themselves. That means you need to do your homework in your organization, research what's being said out there from the news, from the medical literature, and so on. There's a lot of information available, and you want to present this information to your workforce so that they can have informed consent and they can be informed in their decision-making process. And you want to present all sides, not just one side. You present as many of the sides of the medical coin as you know and as are available in terms of the details. Because we don't know everything that there is. However, there is some information. Present the information that's available. You also want to talk about 
the business impacts. For example, if you do have those federal government contracts, military contracts, what is the impact going to be on timelines, delivery schedules for fulfilling your customer request in your organization, given whatever your business is? Unlike President Biden, you don't want to just simply stand there and say, we have created a safe alternative. We don't know what's wrong with you and why you're not opting for the safe alternative. You cannot pronounce that. People have to decide for themselves if something is safe. That's why medications have all of those leaflets and it lists the risk factors so that the person can read them and decide, do I want to take this risk or not? So give your people the information, the facts, so that they can decide. That's number two. Number three, I think it's important to bring together leaders in your company, bring together people who are informed, who are smart people, who are thinkers. That's why you hired them and brainstorm with those people for some creative options. How can you include and involve your workforce now in the decision-making process about how are we going to serve our customers when we've got this percentage of the workforce out sick with the virus, we have this percentage who can't go onto the government sites because they're not vaccinated. Whatever your situation is, you need to talk about it in-house. Talk about what ways you can creatively get around this. What accommodations can you make for those who really need accommodations? And in some cases, some people's jobs may need to be shifted in some ways because they really cannot fully do all that's required, even with accommodations. You may have to bring in some temporary personnel. You may have to move some jobs around so that you can meet the needs of your work environment. And you explain all of this, but you let them be part of coming up with the solution. You'll be surprised if you're flexible and agile how many creative things people can come up with that will work for you and your workforce. Remember, in some jobs, in some positions, they can work virtually. And so be open to that possibility for some jobs, some positions, and some people. I think the more open-minded you are and the more that you believe that you have a dedicated and an intelligent workforce that can brainstorm with you the more you'll discover answers that would not have come right away had you not done that. So that's number three. Take time to brainstorm with your people. Come up with the creative options and alternatives. Number four, recognize the right of your people to choose and to make the best decision for them and for their families. Again, you are presenting the consequences of their decisions in a non-punitive way. This is not about punishing people who make a choice different from a choice that, than, that you would make. Rather, it's just a reality. It may be that there needs to be shifts in those job duties, as I said before, or you might have to hire some additional people and recognize the difficulty that they may face in making their decisions and let them know, here are some of the consequences in our business that we definitely will have to address and what may happen. And in some cases, some people may even have to be furloughed for a period of time until it's safer for them to come back, depending on what your industry is. And again, this is not from a punitive perspective. It's just from a reality and fact-based perspective. Number five, in all of this, 
maintain a positive mindset and a positive attitude, maintain the notion that we will get through this together. As the top leader in the organization, you are setting the tone and you want a tone where your people know that you care, a tone where they know that you believe that even if you can't think of the solutions and answers now, you believe that as a workforce, you're going to figure it out and you're going to get through this together and without having to demonize or be punitive to anyone. I think that's an important perspective to keep in mind. Now, before we close and I share with you some biblical perspectives on what I've been talking about today, I want to remind you of the disclaimer I mentioned earlier in today's broadcast. And that disclaimer is this, my degree is a PhD in clinical psychology. I am a business consultant. Executive leadership development is my area of expertise. I am talking to you, the business executive, about how to message in your organization about the vaccine mandates. Even though I covered a lot of information in this segment that has some medically related information to it, please remember, I am not a medical professional with an MD and you will need to consult your physician for medical advice. This show is not intended to provide any medical advice to you, rather the services of your physician for the medical advice. I'm giving leadership advice for you as the business leader and messaging to your organization. So what I want to mention is that from a biblical perspective, when God was talking to his people, Israel, in the book of Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter, he gave them some choices. And he says, you have options here. You can choose blessings or you can choose curses in your life, whichever one you want. God knows that following him is always our best decision. And even though God is all-knowing, all-powerful, and he knows what is best for us, he doesn't force us to choose what is right. He puts it in front of us and tells us what's going to happen if we choose something that's maybe less than ideal. However, he respects our right to make that choice. That's God. <laughs> and he, all he does is lets us know in advance what will be the consequences of our decision. And at the end of the day, we get to decide. So in Deuteronomy 28, there's a whole list of things that God says will happen if you follow what I'm suggesting here that you do and I'm telling you to do. Here are the blessings that are going to come in your life. Now, if you choose not to do it, that's fine. Here are the curses that are going to come into your life. I'm not going to read the entire list because it's too long, but I am going to read some of these so you get a flavor for what he was sharing with his people. So Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter, on the blessing side of the list, he says, now it shall come to pass, this is Deuteronomy 28th chapter, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed you shall be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, 
and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving to you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you. If you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. Now, that's a partial list of the blessings. And now I'm going to share a partial list of the curses, which you can also choose as well. And he says, but it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that all of these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Cursed you shall be in the city. Cursed you shall be in the country. Cursed shall your basket in your kneading bowl be. Cursed shall be the fruit of your body and the produce of your land, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Cursed shall you be when you come in. Cursed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will send on you cursing, confusion, and rebuke and all that you set your hand to do until you are destroyed and until you perish quickly because of the wickedness of your doings in which you have forsaken me. There's a lot more. But the point being, he told them, if you do what's good, here's the good that will come to you. If, on the other hand, you choose not to do what's good, here are the curses that will come upon you. And he didn't force them. They got to decide. And sometimes Israel chose the wrong thing and they suffered all of those curses. And then he would have to rescue them and redeem them and bring them back. However, they still suffered those curses that he mentioned to them, told them about in advance, but he didn't force them. Another example of this would be in Joshua's case when he was reminding the children of Israel about their options and choices because they were off doing the wrong thing at the time. And he said to them, Joshua called the people back to God. And he said, now, therefore, this is Joshua 24, verses 14 and 15. And he said, now, therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So as a leader, he was also giving an example that he was going to follow God. As a leader, you can even share with your people, I've made this decision for myself and my family. Here's the reason why we did that. Again, your people may have different circumstances may make a completely different choice. And that is their prerogative to make that choice. So those are the first covenant examples from a biblical perspective about giving the choice. I would also say that in the new covenant, we have a similar approach. God knows again what is best. And at the same time, he leaves it to us 
to decide which thing we will do. And Jesus says, whosoever will let him come. And those people in the past who've tried to force people into Christianity have really gone against the heart of God. God never has had a heart of forcing people to believe him, to obey him, to follow him. He always leaves that choice to us. Now it has consequences, but we still get to choose. He wants us to love him because we want to and to do so willingly. And we're living in a world where there are countries who are forcing people to obey certain religions. And if they weren't forced to follow those religions, many in those countries would not follow those religions because in and of themselves, they don't stand on their own merit. They don't stand to carry the blessings that God has already set in front of us. So people would not choose them unless they're forced. So if you have something that is good and worth choosing and you present the facts, people can make their own informed choice. So in Revelations, the third chapter, verses 20 through 22, Jesus is standing there and this is what he says. This is kind of a picture of what it's going to look like at the end. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And think about this, standing at the door of your heart, standing at the door of your life and knocking. And he says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. So even Jesus is saying, he who has an ear to hear, come, whosoever will come. I'm knocking at your door. Open the door so we can commune and dine together. And though he knows it's best for you to come and he invites you to the marriage feast, he never forces you to the marriage feast. And so I say to you, business leader, put the information out to your people so they can make an informed choice and decision. Let them know what the consequences may be and stand by their choices and work with all of your workforce so that you get the work done and each person has a chance to stand in their integrity and so do you. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.